Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Vicarious Living Podcast. It's me, Wind and Pipes. Pat, how are you? I'm doing good. And yourself? Pat has buried the cat on his lap. Kids, Mm -hmm. the cat's on his lap. Mascot's here. And Pat is also gearing up for Valentine's Day, which is tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Why don't you describe to the listeners what you were talking about you are going to be doing when intern Whitney gets home from a long day of work tomorrow? Uh, oh, you asked me if I was going to be nude in neighboring cooking. Yes. That's not true. I will not be nude in neighboring cooking. You will be nude without an apron cooking when Just she gets home. regular nude. No apron. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of standing up on the counter, squatting down to get real close <laughs> to the food. Yeah. So just for the visual here for the listeners, um, Pat only cooks nude. He likes to do that. That's the kind of partner... That he is to the intern Whitney. And I like to get up on the counter. Yes. Get real close to that food. Okay, Pat. Hey. Housekeeping? Gmail. Give it. VicariousLivingPod at gmail.com. Instagram. Give it. VicariousLivingPodcast. Give us those stories, kids. All right. So, Friday Night Lights. Tonight, we're doing it again. Two episodes. Episode 8. Which is Crossing the Line, and episode 9, which is Full Hearts. So, full disclosure, we, uh, we saw episode 8, and the description for the episode just said, uh, Smash fucking around with steroid use, and Jason Street fucking around with quad rugby stuff. In decided, more or less. Decided it was going to be a skimmer. And uh, decided it was going to be a skim episode, because... Uh, the, the smash steroid stuff is just kind of like, I don't really give a fuck, you know? It goes away, too, so I didn't really care. And then, obviously, anything with Jason Street and quad, quad rugby just makes me sad in my pants. Um, I like the quad rugby stuff. The I think the steroid stuff is just, it's, I can't relate to it. You're not doing them? HGH? I mean, I, I mean, in high school, I did a shitload of steroids. Don't get me wrong. I know that about you. But I, I just don't do it anymore. No, realistically, I don't... Have you known anybody who's ever even mentioned steroids in real life? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why why, why would I know anyone who does steroids? I have no idea. I think... I just don't know. Maybe it's a Dillon, Texas thing. Maybe if you're playing Texas high school football, you're doing steroids. Yeah, you might have to. But either way, I think it's just like, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Not relatable. Doesn't matter. We're not going to touch on the steroid use at all. Um, we are going to have to touch on J- Jason doing quad rugby, though, because um, that does come into play. It mm-hmm. does. First and foremost, though, kick it right off. Episode 8, Crossing the Line, with Matt S. working at the Alamo Freeze. And when he's doing that, Julie Taylor comes in. And the reason I... It's not a very memorable scene, but I just want to bring it up because like, it hits you early and often that the sexual tension... Between Matt S. and Julie T. 
fucking going nowhere. It's going nowhere. And by that I mean it's it's hanging around. Oh, I, I thought you were you meant like it was stagnant. Oh no no sorry. Because I was about to say quite the opposite. It is it's pulsing. No, I mean it's it's not it's not leaving us. It's staying. It's here for for the good. Oh okay okay good. And it's percolating like a fucking giant rocket ship. Yeah, going they're into starting space. to get like a the tension used to just be built on this awkwardness where you knew he obviously was obsessed with her and like. He was showing her interest, and you could tell she was a little interested in him, but they were both really awkward about it, and that's originally what caused the tension. I think they're still kind of awkward with each other, but they got like a little uh, a rapport. They got, they a got re- like a little sense of humor going back and forth. And, and he's like, already just, floated it out there on the date thing. He laid it out. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. We'll have to do a little side right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know Dude, what I'm talking about. I do. For the kids, kids, uh, we're talking about uh, the one of our favorite gameplays that we've ever seen was Brody Jenner on uh, The Hills. <laughs> Me and Matt would watch The Hills back in college, you know, because they're crushing it, uh, standard stuff. And we realized, I actually don't think we really watched The Hills, but we might have seen somehow, a couple episodes. Somehow we came across that scene. Yeah, I love It made so much sense to us. I loved Laguna Beach. I watched every Laguna Beach, but then the hills, I wasn't really that into it. I was kind of into it at the beginning, but then as it started going on, I stopped being into the hills because it just became even way too contrived. Which for one my was liking. Steven in? Laguna. That's the one I liked. Yeah. Okay. That one, we are going to do that, by the way, at some point. Okay. Fucking Laguna Beach. Maybe we should do that next. Okay. Because that one will be quick. Like, I was thinking we would maybe do One Tree Hill next, but maybe we should just, like, quickly pepper in Laguna Beach, because those are quick hitters, dude. We could do, like, like we did on Ethan Ocean, we could do, like, five episodes, one podcast, five episodes, another podcast, just knock it the fuck out. Oh, man. Okay, so, um, anyways, what Pat's referring to is we realized, though, when we were dabbling in the hills a little bit, that Brody Jenner's game is to just fucking lay it right out there. For the ladies to play it out. Mm-hmm. Meaning, he just kind of like tells the ladies what they're thinking. And he beats around... He doesn't beat around the bush with the whole game. He's like, look... He kind of just goes like, look, it's obvious. You're into me. I get it. Look. No big deal. But they, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> it's clear you're into me. But it, we realize... That the he only, just, it, they just melt in front of him with this, this whole strategy. They're just like, yeah, fuck, I am into him. They have, they're like, they're paralyzed with like, I don't know what to do besides just go with whatever he's talking about. Yeah, just start blowing this guy on but, camera. And I think this is what you're about to say. We realize the only way that strategy works is if you're super hot yeah. and super rich. Yeah, which we are, yeah. we got one of those, the super hot one. Uh-huh. But the rich thing we're still working towards. So when we get really rich, what both boxes checked? So we're we'll like sixty-five-year-old hot guys, and then yep. we'll lay it out. Yeah, for them to play it out. So, uh, anyways, yeah, that's what she. Well, that's what Pat's referring to. And um, so I, it's it's already been laid out there though. With he's trying to now get a date. He said like I want to take you out on a date, and she's kind of waffling a little bit. So. Kind of like a nice little fun game of like, yeah. will they, won't they? It's clear. You can cut that sexual tension, as we've said in the past, with a fucking spoon. Um, yeah, I'm loving this. I'm loving this right now. And she said, 
he asked her on the date, like Brody Jenner, he just laid it out there. He said, can I, I take, take yeah. can I take you on a date? And it was awesome. And she's like, oh, I'll think about I'll it. I'll think about and it. And it was clearly Playing like, coy a little bit. Oh, yeah. It was clearly a yes, but she's just making him wait for it a little bit. Um, actually, there's a scene where um, him and Smash are both working at the Alamo Freeze together. Yeah. Um, quick side note, to pay for the steroids, Smash is now working at the Alamo Freeze. Yeah. And Smash is kind of like teaching him how to be smooth with the ladies in his own oh, yeah. Smash kind of like weird <laughs> way. <laughs> And, uh, Hold and he, on, I'll just play the clip of what he says. Okay. I'm play a clip. Here it is. Hey. Hey. Maddie. What's going on? What's up, baby? Looking sharp in that hat. <laughs> oh, man, shut up. <laughs> yeah, pimping, pimping. On that, on that clip, Smash just such a douche, dude. He's just such a yeah, loser. Yeah, this is back to he episode talks. one. He's a nit. It's he such just, a like, nit. comes up and he's Nerd like, Nerd in denial. Pimping, pimping. Like, yeah, fucking douche. Get out of here, dude. Uh, okay, and then another clip that you wanted to play at the Alamo Freeze is uh, this one. Uh, here it is. See, that's what you do. No, that's what you do. Look, you don't ask them what they want. You tell them what they want. You learn. You learn. Right? Out of the Brody Jenner playbook, dude. Yeah, so that... <laughs> so we, the first clip is just smashing a douche just to throw it in there. And then, yeah, that clip is mostly about... Going back to Brody Jenner, dude. You tell them, you just lay it out and let them play it out. Yeah. Now, if I were to do something like that, I would just get a horrified look. They wouldn't stop throwing up. It would just be the worst. But, right. I mean, if Brody Jenner does that, or I guess if you're living in Dillon and you're the running back, maybe you can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is you need you need to either be rich and really hot or like have some sort of status like Smash as the running back of the team. But like you need something for them to like sink their teeth into. Otherwise, yeah, like you said, if if you lay it out, they're just gonna be like, I want to take a dump all over whatever. The yeah, fuck this you is just how I go. You be the girl in this situation. Oh, okay. And like I just walk up to you. We don't know each other that well at all. Oh, uh, hey, or maybe pal. we do. Just to like kind of, and I'm just like. Oh, hey, Pat, how's it going? Hey. Oh, it's pretty good. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. Why waste time? What? I know you're into me. Let's just do this. I mean, come on. What? What? Why is there throw up all over the ground? <laughs> <laughs> Rape whistle! <laughs> Wait, no, let's come back to that. Hey, Pat, how's it going? Oh, it's pretty good. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Why are you cooking naked in the kitchen? Oh, this is just how I cook. <laughs> okay. Why are your balls dangling down? Because I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm fucking up your hypothetical game. Uh, uh, no worries. We can just get, we can get that out there. Right. No, say it, dude. <laughs> say it. All right, so, hey. Oh, hey, Becky. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, that's cool. What's up? Nothing. What are you doing? No, cooking? Nothing. Just hanging out, cooking. You know how I like to cook. <laughs> Anyways, so let's just cut to the chase here. Um, yeah? I know you want me. That's obvious. And I want what? you. So what? So what are we wasting time here for? Hold, what? Hold on. I'm throwing up a little bit in my mouth. Hold on. Oh! Oh! Oh, so, let me... oh okay. I'm all good now. Oh, what were you saying? Sorry, I was... Hold on, let me clean all that vomit up for you. Sorry, I got it on your shoes. Yeah, it's I mean, everywhere. There's why are you wearing everywhere. shoes when you cook naked? For grip. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's let's move go. on. Let's let's that would go. Um, okay. Tammy T. We got to get back into Tammy T. She. It's like for the first six or seven episodes, they had her as just kind of like Coach T's wife, but now she's really coming into her own, yeah. and she's like. A mentor to the... Now she's working at the school. She's a guidance counselor to the kids. Yeah, she's intertwining with all the kids' storylines. She's, like, permeating all the other characters. So you've... Which is perfect, because you've had Coach T, like, intertwined into all these kids' football lives and stuff, and all the shit on the field, but now you get Tammy T intertwined into the kids' lives off the field. They're tag-teaming these kids. Yeah, double-teaming them. Double-team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... It's nice because there was this Tammy T. Lila exchange that we were talking about where she made some quote. You know, I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play a clip here. I'm going to. This is the only time that I've honestly felt like Tammy T.'s advice was not great. But I'll chalk it up to this is the first couple episodes where they're getting Tammy T. in the mix as the guidance counselor for the kids. So maybe, you know, it's just kind of like. She's still trying to get her footing a little bit. She hasn't really found her niche. She's on new it. to the guidance counselor game. She's still a rookie. She's a rookie. And so we love Tammy T, but this advice, here it is. Listen to this. Here it is. You would not be telling him for him. You would be telling him for you. You let him heal. You move on with your life. You let him heal. She's talking about she Lila's all upset because Lila's now Jason knows that she's been cheating on him with Tim. And so she told that's what she talked to Tammy T about. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like Tammy T then gives that fucked out advice about you're only doing this for you if you tell him. And it's like, like she's letting her off the hook so hard. Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> cheaters want to hear. That's fucking cheaters paradise fucking rationalization, dude. Of like, oh, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't tell them. Oh, why? Because that's for me. That's selfish. It's selfish. I shouldn't tell them because that's selfish. I'm doing that for me, not was, for him. I'm like, uh, fuck that. Yeah, it was, it was bad advice. And it was just like exactly what Lila would want to hear in that moment. Like, oh, all the... Like, an authority figure has told me not to say anything. Like, just kind of taking all the guilt away. Sweep like, the guilt you're, under the rug. You're right. I should just totally keep this a secret. It would be like if a high school came to Tammy Taylor and was like, listen, uh, I'm worried about my drinking a little bit. Like, if Riggins came and were like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm drinking too much. And she's like, listen, you're in high school. Everybody drinks. Yeah, don't be a pussy, Don't bitch. worry about it. I mean, if it's a problem years down the road, I mean, then we'll handle it now. But right now, just keep drinking. You're fine. Here, take this funnel and butt chug this beer, Tim. Yeah, and Tim takes his pants down in her office, and she obviously she starts uh, butt funneling, butt funneling Lone Star down his butt. <laughs> that's yeah. not good counseling. I mean, I'm with you. I know it's bad counseling. So, anyways, we played that. She's still trying to find her groove. She will find it. We trust her. We know she'll find her groove. Tammy T. She always delivers the good fucking advice. But right now, it's. Not great. And I don't like that. I don't like telling cheaters, like, yeah, just sit on it. 
Sit on it. <laughs> Cheat all you want and then just never tell anyone and just keep doing it because guess what? If no one sees... It's like a tree falling in the woods. If no one sees it, does it make a sound? Lila? Definitely makes a sound. Not in Tammy T's world right now. But guess what, kids? That tree does make a fucking sound. So don't be idiots. Okay, next. Okay. I want to give a fun fact, though, while we're on Lila. Fun fact. Do you know that Emmy Rossum was supposed to play Lila Garrity? So... Really? We could have had a tandem of, instead of Minka Kelly playing Lila and... Adrian Polici or whatever, however you pronounce her last name, playing Tyra, we could have had Emmy Rossum and Lindsay Lohan. What a world that would have been. That would have been crazy. I'm that would have been way Emmy, different. I'm a big Emmy Rossum fan. She's from Shameless, right? Crushes it in Shameless. Crushes it. She's so good in Shameless. We should look, I will look that up at some point if she won Emmys or not for that show, but I feel like she's had to have been nominated. For Emmys on Shameless, because she's unreal. I mean, the only way to not win Emmys for sure is to be on the OC. Right. Learn that the hard way. Right. You only win the Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards. So she's probably won an Emmy or two. Unless she was on the OC, which she would not have. She said that she turned down the role because she didn't want to be typecast her whole career as like a good girl. But Lila's bad. I mean, this led Lila to date fucking Derek Jeter. So that's a win. I don't think you're a good girl if you're dating the fucking shortstop hero of the New York Yankees. Talking about Mr. Steal Your Girl? Yeah. Sounds like you got a little bad in you if you're going to be fucking Derek Jeter. Yeah. That's science. I'm probably not even cool enough to have sex with Derek Jeter. You give him a hand job. Yeah, maybe. Um, next, let's keep the ball rolling. Julie Taylor and Coach playing ping pong. Love it. I gotta say, uh, this scene was tough for me, and I mean just looking at the attire of Julie Taylor and trying to contain myself. I believe your exact quote was, with Julie Taylor in this relaxed outfit, with the hoodie on, it's making it very hard for my wiener to relax. I don't think I said wiener, but I said something along those lines. You definitely said wiener. (laughs) Okay, I I did. I, I made a note of it. I like this idea of both of us just clocking and quoting and writing down what the other person says when they are highly sexualized based yeah. on what's on the yeah. screen. And then there's a lot of a lot of talk followed about like, yeah, sure, Julie Taylor's wearing pajama pants, but my wiener's got its shirt tucked in. <laughs> yeah, we were saying that. She's so casual right now and relaxed, but what's not casual and relaxed is what's happening in my pants. Um, again, this season is three. only season three that we're referring to. Not now. Yeah. Not yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not now. But I, I, you know, I think I was getting more excited about the idea of Julie Taylor in season three wearing this exact same outfit. Yes. Definitely not what I saw on screen now. Mm-hmm. But when I think about her in season three wearing this outfit, what gets me so fucking Jack City is I am obsessed with a girl just fucking relaxing, dude. I know just you are, man. Loose ponytail, get it fucking loose. Maybe some crimped hair. Who knows? But it's it's casual. Crimped hair isn't really casual. I guess you're right. <laughs> but I mean, she's just wearing like these flannel pants. 
and then a hoodie sweatshirt, and she looks so fucking comfortable. God damn. I just want her nestled up right next to me on the couch when she gets to season three in that same outfit. Yep. Yeah. It got me going. Um, but I will say that uh, the main reason why we bring that scene up, though, is because Coach T just going full on dad advice, dad speech. So I'm going to play a clip of Coach T crushing it in dad daughter advice mode. Here it is. All right, listen. I'm supposed to give you some fatherly and wise advice at this time in your life. If you're wondering if a boy's thinking about you, he's not. He's thinking about sex or he's hungry. Those are the only two options. Are you trying to no, be I'm funny? Not Listen to me. Boys think about sex every single minute of the day. That's what they do. That's why they lie. They're going to leave you waiting around for them to call, and they won't call. They're going to be cruel, and they're going to be misleading. And your mother wanted me to add this that by and large, football players are the worst offenders. However, I think that it pretty much crosses all lines. You done? You are beautiful, you are sensitive, you are sweet, and I don't want to see you get hurt. Love you to death. Your lousy ping pong player. And I do, I love that clip because it's like, you can tell he's so uncomfortable having the conversation. I can't even imagine when I have a daughter, like, having those conversations of, like, thinking about another dude, taking her out on dates. It's just going to be the fucking worst. But you know it's, like, got to happen for her to, like, live life and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you can't necessarily, yeah. So I feel like I'm going to be in that same mode of, like, trying to give advice, but you don't know what to fucking say and you don't know how to say it because all you really want to say is like, don't ever leave the fucking house. Please, God. I I thought the scene was awesome because his advice wasn't really like good. It wasn't like awesome advice. It was just like, be smart. It was was realistic in like a dad who's like uncomfortable talking about this stuff. That's probably what's going to come out of his mouth. I just take that as like Coach T, he loves his daughter. And I think she... She picked that up in that scene too. That's why at the end she just says like, "I love you too, Dad." Yeah, it was like it was she definitely got it. it was definitely it's the thought that counts kind of thing. Yes. So I, I don't begrudge Coach T for you know making his run at dad advice. It's it's a weird kind of moment. I feel like in his life, his his only daughter, his only kid, and he's got to kind of like navigate through that. But kudos to Coach T for trying, and kudos for Julie T for fucking realizing it. You want to get into your song? Probably before the song, we should talk about what happens before it. So, With Billy? Yeah. Yeah. Billy Riggins honestly fucking came to play in this episode. Sure did. He, I love Billy Riggins. And I was thinking when I was looking at Billy Riggins, do you think he's always got a dip in? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was thinking like, I, I, I know. Dude, when he was fixing the car, he had about... A half a ten in his lip. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, damn, Billy Riggins went all fucking method on this role. Like, fucking Nick Cage and and Ghost Rider, dude. Like, just fucking living, breathing, and sleeping what it's like to be a fucking older brother raising a teenager in this small-ass Texas Okay, so here's a question for you. On set, when Billy Riggins has a dip in, do you think that's actual 
chewing tobacco or do you think that's like prop chewing tobacco like if you're smoking cigarettes like in Mad Men for example they don't smoke actual cigarettes on set because you got to do like 30 takes and they would just die I think it's like they probably have to do like 10 takes of them working on the car together which would equate to what a whole log of dip (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, unless he's uh I mean, unless he's like someone who's dipped his whole life, that actor, then he could do it. Just like baseball players who've been dipping their whole life literally put a dip in to go bat in a professional baseball game. Like, a dip, for whatever reason, gets them more locked in, which I've never understood totally. Um, So, if he's been dipping his whole life, I could totally see him being like, you know what? This actually just works out for me and this character, and I'll just sync him up and throw a dip in to get locked into the scene. Yeah. Win win, but I don't know if if he we we God we should fucking at him on Instagram by Caris Living Podcast or Instagram page we should fucking tag him and then and then see if we can get him for an interview to just find out if that dip was real. Yeah, I feel like he's right. He's our guy. Like I feel like we could yeah. get him. He's our Tate Donovan. Yeah, he's our Tate Donovan. We could get him. Like we could get him in on us. I'm definitely, when I post this, I'm going to definitely at him. Please do. Um, but yeah, he has a killer episode. So there's kind of a storyline with this where, if you remember last week, um, Riggins had an awesome game because he went clean and sober and he had like actually looked like a kind of a, a high school football player that could have a potential to get a college scholarship. And so yeah. Billy Riggins is essentially his older brother, but his like father figure because their parents... He, he's trying to be a dad, but he's clearly just an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. He has really good intentions, but he's like, oh shit, alright, here's an opportunity. I need Tim to keep his shit together, and maybe there's a chance for him to get a scholarship and do something with his life. But he goes just like overboard with it almost. Yeah, and he doesn't know how to handle it. So I actually, you know what, before we go into your song, I'm going to play a clip really quick because the, the, the reason why we love Billy Riggins so much is because it's so authentic. The relationship between him and Tim is the, the most realistic brother-to-brother relationship. It's obviously, you know, it, it's on steroids a little bit, no pun intended, Smash. It's on steroids a little bit with the, you know, them getting into, like, physical brawls at times to where they're literally, like, tearing the entire house apart with... Throwing each other into the TV and stuff, but that's that—that's the interesting dynamic because he's the dad, but also the brother. So right. like they're at the grocery store arguing about like what food to buy. Tim's like sliding in snack food and like magazines and stuff. And he's like, "We don't have money to pay for that." Like yeah. a da- like a dad kind of thing. And then at the same time, when they get in arguments, they just fucking wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> It'd be like point. if like your dad was mad at you and you got in a, in a fight in high school. And you settled it by just wrestling around on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Come here, Dad. Dad, fuck you, man. Time to <laughs> wrestle. Um, yeah, so anyways, let, let's play a clip of them having a brother-to-brother argument. Here it is. I mean, that's pretty sick, to be honest with you. Yeah? I'm a real loser, aren't I, Tim? Let me ask you a question. Which one of us is uh, banging his crippled best friend's girlfriend right now? That'd be you, wouldn't it? How's that real estate license coming? You sell any condos What's today? What's gonna happen to you, Tim? You know what I see? Another 40 pounds in delinquent child support. Remind you of anyone? Maybe dad? What's your problem with dad now? What's my problem with dad? Yeah. What's my problem with dad? What is your problem? 
You want to know what my problem with dad is? God, you know what? I admire the guy. Couple postcards every year, and he gets off scot-free. Not me, though. Nah, I get stuck with you because nobody else wants you. Don't you forget, you little bastard. I'm the one paying the bills around here, buying the groceries, going out there and watching your damn football games. Not them! That line that Tim said of uh, real estate license just fucking gets... It cracks me up. <laughs> um, it's also, like, one of those vague jobs that... People who clearly have no fucking, like, path or any idea what they're fucking doing in life, I feel like you hear that a lot of, like, what are you, what are you doing, Billy? Getting into real estate. Oh, cool, 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 cool. That's so vague. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Like, that, it's just one of those things of, like, people say, oh, I'm getting into real estate, or, like, oh, portfolio investment. Yeah, it's just one of those things Portfolios. where if somebody says, oh, yeah, no, I'm in, in real estate, there's a spectrum where that, that person could either be worth... $400 million and own a couple hotels or they could have smoking crack on the street. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty big spectrum for, right. for that response. And we yeah. know Billy is not worth multiple millions of dollars. He is the more skewing towards the smoking crack on the street. Yeah. 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 But I like, I love it just when they get in those arguments, they're so close. Like the mad jabs are just, just flying always. But it's okay because they're brothers and like they get pissed off at each other and it's like shit with their parents because clearly the parents split at different times in their life so they have different feelings about it. Right. Like, yeah. Tim was Tim, too young. He was too young yeah. to realize like how fucked up it actually was and Billy probably was aware of like how actually what was, was going on and now he like he said to Tim he's like kind of stuck raising him and that's kind of a mad jab to be like. Yeah, I'm fucking... I don't want to be here with you, but I have to. Yeah, because Tim was like, why are you blaming Dad, man? Dad's my hero. Like, it's kind of like Dad's my hero, you know? Because when when his dad left, Tim was probably like six, seven years old. He doesn't know, you know, how fucked out his dad, how much of a fucking idiot loser his fucking douchebag dad is. But, but Billy's looking at it like, oh, yeah, Dad? The guy who's hasn't been here for six fucking years and has sent two checks to this family for to raise both of us and for me to raise you? That idiot? Yeah, no hero. He's a piece of fucking shit, Tim. So, anyways, um, I did love it, though, because there, there, we've always talked about how much we always love the line in movies of, like, you're not my dad! Yeah, there's a perfect line here. Tim says I think he that. says father, which kind of ruins it. Yeah, he still. says, like, you're not my father. But we always joke around about, like, really, really wanting to see that play out in real life once. You know? I feel like you want a stepdad, just so you can say that. Yeah, I kind of want, like, obviously, you know, I want to keep my real dad and stuff. Yeah. That's a given. Um, but in, like, an alternate reality, I do have a stepdad. And it's only so, like, I can do that movie trope of, like, I'm a teenager, my stepdad comes in, and I'm, obviously, me and my mom are super fucking close. So let's just play that out. We're doing a lot of role-playing tonight. So yeah. you be, you be Trevor, my stepdad. Hey, bud. <laughs> you have a good day at school, pal? I don't know. It's all right. Trevor. Well, uh, we got your uh, we got your report card in the mail. Mom, are you fucking this guy, this idiot? Your report card came in the mail. It's not looking too hot, buddy. Okay. So, what's, uh, what's going on in school? Anything you want to talk to me about? 
I don't want to talk to you. I mean... Why are you here? Uh, I mean, it just me and your mom have been seeing each other. You should go back to your fucking apartment, Trevor. Well, uh, that's actually something we want to talk to you about. Um, Mom, can you believe this dickbag? Why is he fucking here breathing our air? I think uh, we're actually talking about moving in together. So, uh, what do you think about that? I think I'd like to fucking take your pants off and rip your dick off, you fucking piece of shit. Well, that's not really an option now, is it? I don't know, Trevor, but I'm not calling you dad. Well, you better call me dad. I'm not going to call you dad. You better call me dad. Cut the crap and go up to your room. I'm not going up to my room. Go up to your room. I'm not going up to my room, Trevor. You're not my dad! (laughs) And scene. So yeah, in some alternate universe, I really just want to have a stepdad so I can have that argument with him and yell at him that he's not my dad. I feel like you might, like you could just do this just in any confrontation. Oh, like just for like my a, boss? Like tell her, tell my, my female boss that she's not my dad? At work or just like, just even on the streets if somebody's giving you shit like, hey, hey buddy, uh, I actually had that parking spot before you. You're not my dad! There you go. Yeah. Maybe I should start doing that. That'd probably be best. There was another thing though. Um, you know what? Let's play your song now. Because now we're transitioning into after the brothers have that fight. It gets into another authentic thing, which is like, look, at the end of the day. Yeah, this is later in the episode. song. Cue that fucking song. Here it is. Uh, Dead Man's Will by Iron and Wine. Just another example of... Great song. I love this song. Crushing the music game. I love Iron and Wine. I love this band. They Great song. They, uh, they put in probably like maybe one and a half songs per episode. Um, the rest is just like that original score yeah. that we've talked about. But this one is just perfect for this scene. It's like a couple, probably later towards the end of the episode. Chekhov's peas. Oh yeah, Chekhov's peas. Chekhov's peas. At the, in the grocery scene in the very beginning, they're arguing about whether or not they're going to buy peas because they're fucking healthy and gross. Anyways, it's Chekhov's peas. If you show peas on the wall in scene one by act three, those peas are going on Tim yeah. Reagan's eye after he gets punched by street. Yeah, so in this, in this, uh, when this song is playing, it's the aftermath of their big blow up argument. Yeah, well, it's a, it, Riggins comes home after getting punched out by street. Right. And so he's just like, fucking everybody hates me, I'm gonna come home. Which we are gonna, we are gonna go into that in one, the, the Jason Street thing, because that is very important. Yeah. But yeah, he, he comes home, he's had a tough day, he's been punched in the face. And it's like the aftermath of the house is still all fucked up from them getting into a physical fight. And then it's like, at the end of the day, these two guys fucking love each other. These are brothers. He cuts him a little piece of food off and just slides it over to him and gets a beer open. Billy takes a sip himself and then just slides it to Tim. So it just shows you that like, no matter how much, that's why I think their relationship's so great. Because no matter how much you fucking fight with like your siblings or friends or whatever, the end of the day, you're gonna come back and Slide be your like bro, a long neck, a long neck and half of a fucking grilled cheese sandwich. Absolutely, that's what brothers do. Reagan's boys. That's Reagan's boys for life. Um, let's get in. Let's just discuss what happens at that fucking quad rugby scene, and then that'll do it for episode eight, and we'll move into episode nine. Quad rugby. Jason Street's now doing quad rugby. I don't give a shit. Pat actually likes it. Whatever. Jason Street now knows 
he knows Tim's been fucking his girl. And at that quad rugby game, Jason Street is watching Tim Riggins and Lila just sitting in the fucking stands, like cheering them on. Like nothing's happening. They're, they don't know he knows yet. So then after that quad rugby game, Tim goes up to like congratulate him or whatever. And then this is where he gets punched in the face. Here's the clip. That is the six I know. Man, I tell you, those hits, I gotta take some notes. Great game, man. Tell you what, man. Get up, Riggins. Get up and fight me, huh? Come on, you coward. Come on, hit me! You my girl, you not ready to fight me, huh? Jason! Don't you dare, Lila. Don't you dare. Come on, look me in the face. I want you. Come back here. Come back here! Jason! You gonna steal a cripple's girl, but you won't find a cripple? Huh? You coward! You're a coward, Riggins! Always will be! I would say that is one of the most famous lines delivered by Jason Street. He killed it. In in this whole series. I mean, that... You're gonna steal a cripple's girl, but you won't fight a cripple or whatever? Fucking classic. Fucking... Honestly, dude, I don't want to do this, but as we transition off of episode 8 into episode 9, I am gonna use this as a jumping off point for my... MCITW of the week. That is, the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. She is the fucking worst. She will always be the worst. She will go to her grave being the fucking worst bitch in television history. That is Marissa Cooper. And that is the MCITW of the week brought to you by Wicklow, where our fine sponsors, fine sponsors, Cincinnati homegrown sponsors, W I C K L O W. Where? Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Also go to our Instagram page and look at our most recent post, our most recent picture, where you will see that we were given Wicklow sock swag. Nice. Socks on my feet are Wicklow socks. Free swag, dude. That's what you get. That's what you get when you just crush in the business world. Sponsorships and all that. <laughs> Anyways, MCITW, I feel like I kind of had to check myself before I wrecked myself mm-hmm. on the MCITW. You did? It's easy to give it to the Lila Garrity's every single week. Yeah. It's easy to give it to the fucking Marissa Coopers. It's easy to give it to the fucking DJs of the world. It's easy to give it to the fucking... Nurses of the world who's got to tell Jason Street that he can no longer jizz ever again. And the mean guys at the burger place. But I'll tell you what. It's a difficult task that I am going to take on of this week. I am going to give the MCITW to Tim Riggs. Ooh. I gotta do it, dude. I mean, there's never going to be another episode stretch that we watch where Tim Riggins has this much of a fucking, like, bad showing. Dude, he was the MVP last week, but he is bottom of the barrel. He's the week. MCITW. He's the MCITW. I mean, that, dude... That says it all right there. You cannot fuck your best friend's girl. You can't. And not get the MCITW, then get caught on it, and then get punched out by a guy in a fucking wheelchair at his first quad rugby match. I mean... God damn, dude. Like, there's no excuses for this. And then the thing that I actually found the most despicable, and again, I I know it's blasphemous to, to talk about Tim this way, and I hate doing it. 
But you got to stand up and be a fucking man in that situation. And when he gets punched out by Jason Street in that moment, dude, he just slinks off and fucking walks away and doesn't say anything, doesn't fight. Like, he just fucking bitches out. There's no... There's not even... Like, fighting back, obviously, would be ridiculous. There's not There's not an apology. There's not a, anything. Nothing. He's, he slinks off. Yeah. So he just slinks off, and then there's a scene Own where... It. He's basically like, oh, I guess Street broke up with me. Shit. Fuck it. Or yeah, like, like... It's just like this mopey-ass attitude. It's like, dude, fucking, you made your bed. Now lie in it. I know. It, it disappoints me, dude. It makes me so disappointed, and I hate giving it to him, but... At some point, dude, like we've said, sometimes the heroes fall. In these couple episodes, heroes fall. So, I mean, with it, that... It, it's a character-building episode for him, you know? Yeah, dude, that's the thing. To put, okay, so, yeah, first off, be free and explore. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by Whipcover. Mm-hmm. But, let's turn this frown upside down. How do we turn this positive? How do we move forward here with Tim Riggs? Here's what we got to do. Well, his hair was looking great. It was. So there's that, just off the bat. We have to figure out how we get the fuck up now. How we get up. These are character-driving moments. This is where character comes into play, where character is fucking built, is in the tough times. So we have full confidence. Pipes and I have full fucking confidence that Tim Riggs is going to get his ass up and fucking do right. Okay, episode nine. It's entitled Full Hearts, and it kicks off with a seamless transition from going from the biggest slut in Dylan guy-wise, Tim Riggins, Mm -hmm. and the MCITW of the week on the Vicarious Living podcast, Tim Riggins, into the biggest cheater in fucking Dylan, Lila Garrity. And intern Whitney was in here. And we had a very robust, good, open dialogue about the slut-shaming that went on in this episode. And how it relates to girls versus guys. You got Tim Riggins, who's the biggest slut in Dylan, mm-hmm. guy-wise. Yeah. And then you have Lila, who... We realized we don't really want to call her the biggest slut in Dylan because she's not doing that. And the PC police yeah, don't we, like that. We actually had, uh, well, if you saw in her Instagram pictures, we have whistles. Yeah. And we were going to blow the slut whistle on her. But then we realized that just, that's just not us. You know, that's not us. Well, that is us, but we had to stop because intern Whitney frowned on it. Yeah, that's true. So so with her help, we found out that that's not us. That's not us. So we are not going to blow the slut whistle. That's why we keep her around. She yeah. keeps us on the straight and narrow. She keeps us on. Made us realize that Tim Riggins is the slut. And well, Tyra. Well, nah, she's, she's fine, dude. No, no, she is. We did realize that. What we realized is that Lila's just... But it's not a bad thing. That's what we realized is that Tyra's is not bad. Tyra's slutting around is not bad because it's like she's cool with it. And this was like what Tim was before he started fucking around with his best friend's girl. It was just, yeah, Tim fucking hooking up with whoever. It's cool. He's single. Tyra's single. Who gives a fuck? You just fuck around whenever. Who cares? Mix it up. Where the issue comes into play is when it turns from you're just having good times in high school hooking up with whoever, girl or guy-wise, into... You're fucking just a horrible, fucking cheating, bad human being. Yeah. Girl or guy-wise. 
and Tim and Lila have crossed that Rubicon. Yeah. Into being fucking not sluts, but horrible, cheating pieces of shit. Yep. So it was interesting, though, because after talking with intern Whitney, and we got to give intern Whitney props because she's she's doing a great job. She's crushing it. Mm -hmm. She's doing the editing. She's listening behind the glass and she's hearing our takes. And any of the real chauvinistic idiot takes that we make, her ears perk up and she goes, let me give a female perspective on this. To rein you guys in from sounding like total fucking idiots. It's much appreciated. It's much appreciated. I do think, though, it we had a real good peek into how girls and guys handle, like, these cheating situations. Friends, like, people friends around the picture-wise. Yeah. And we kind of... I kind of... I'm going to try and explain this. Because Pat was checking out. I could just tell when I was talking about it. The biggest difference... At the, at the time, it didn't really make sense, but I'm locked in right now. Okay. The biggest difference is. between how girls handle like bullying of other girls and how guys handle bullying of other guys is on full display in this episode 9. How girls handle it is they just go and go and go, like all the girls in the school with Lila. They go and they go and they go until the girl breaks. And then once the girl breaks, so they like our job's done. Their job's done. They kind of feel bad. I feel like yeah, and they like, empathize. Like oops, shit. Yeah, that's now the I feel word. Like that's dick. the word. The empathy is there. Yeah. Now they empathize. Once they see the girl break and cry and like go into the bleachers like Lila did, then they feel like okay, mission's been accomplished, and now I just feel like a huge Maybe dick. Maybe we went a little too far. Yeah. I feel like guys, on the other hand, handle it. Like, Tim's teammates were all pissed at him because he was cheating on their fucking boy, old QB1, Jason Street. So they were like, we're not going to block for Tim this game. He's going to get his fucking ass beat. He's going to dislocate his shoulder. He's going to get torn up. How guys handle it, though, is like, as soon as Tim dislocates his shoulder and comes back into the game and takes all that shit, and he's like, fuck you. Fuck you and fuck it. I'm still standing here, bitch. Then it's like the dudes respected him because he didn't break. Yeah, like in that moment, if he starts crying and quits the team, they're like, God, not only is he uh, a backstabber, but he's also a pussy. A bitch. Yeah. So I think that was just the difference that I was realizing. is like girls want to get that break so then they can empathize and fully understand the shoes of the other person. And then guys, they want to see that person sort of take it all, absorb it, and then come back saying, thank you, sir, may I have another? And then it's like, all right, this guy, fucking we're with him. Um, yeah, definitely what was happening in this show. I have no idea if we can make that massive of a gener generalization. No, we can. We have a podcast, so that's what we do. Yeah. All girls do this, all guys do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put I everyone mean, into gender I mean, compartments they, and they, just they say did that's it on the show. It's clean. We got it. <laughs> yeah. So as me and Pat are just continuing to generalize all girls into that bucket and all guys into this other bucket, I feel like we feel satisfied in our own heads that we've solved that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was also a lot of discussion over like who who is the worst person between Riggins and Lila in this situation? Like who fucked over Street Harder? With with intern Whitney. Yeah, with yeah. intern Whitney. In my mind it's like fifty fifty. The, they both boned him pretty hard. I think you were thinking Lila probably because 
She's the girlfriend, right? I and Whitney always... was thinking Riggins because he's the best friend. I was leaning that way because, like, they're in high school, and if your best friend does that to you, then, like, you lose your best friend. If your high school girlfriend then does that, you just break up with your high school girlfriend. At least you still got your friends. I, I think we're intern Whitney and myself really came down on opposite sides, but I think we came together in the end. But I think where we, we differed is I always default to, to putting all the blame on the people who are in the relationship. But I think what she was saying, which makes more sense, is as you get later on out of high school into like marriage and stuff, yes, all the blame is on the people in the fucking relationship. Right. That makes sense. In high school, it, it probably is 50-50 of your friends and girlfriends in high school are kind of on the same level. The, so the fact remains, if you're straight and this does happen to you, it is just the worst because you are 100% alone. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Anyways, we're in a pretty dark hole. Let's get out of it. Let's, let's get out about, of it. Let's talk about Saracen's date. Okay. You ready? Yes. I'd love to get out of the darkness. I'd love to get into the light. And I will tell you that there is a whole lot of light shining on anything that is Matt Saracen and Julie T. Related. Couldn't agree more. So there is a clip. Let's 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 lighten it up with a clip here. Uh, great clip of Coach T still being in dad mode when Saracen he finally gets a date with Julie T. Finally, and they go. They, he goes to pick her up for this date. Shows up, comes in. Julie T comes out, and she's just wearing this outfit. And her mom sees her, and she's like, "Fuck no, nope, nope, nope. You're not wearing that. Um, showing a little too much skin." Mm-hmm. And uh, so she, as she's going to change, it's just Coach T and Saracen sitting there in the in the house, and uh, Coach T says this to him: "You want a beer?" Uh, no thanks, I'm driving. I was joking. I wasn't serious, Saracen. You fucking idiot. <laughs> it's I can relate to that though, though, because it's like one of those things where like if you're Saracen, you're so locked in and like on edge and like anxious and stuff you're not registering your surroundings or like real conversation at all so him just saying do you want a beer you're not reading any context or nuance in it at all you're just like no i'm good no no i'm good i, I gotta drive so i can't be drinking tonight and then coach t's like yeah no shit you're 16 you idiot yeah slip me one coach <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just a good moment. Um, so, on this date, Saracen's got his members-only jacket on. <laughs> He's been, like, Landry's been hyping him up before the date. And Landry later gives him good advice, but before the date, he's just... He's like, dude, you're QB1. You need to just act like it. Like, clearly, that's, like, the main thing you got going. So just act like a badass. I and, thought that was such... That was a classic... Uh, that That's so realistic. Yeah. That's so real... And I feel like we still do that to this day. Like, dudes are just fucking idiots, dude. We are so dumb. You're so fucking dumb always. And especially in, in high school. Like, <laughs> is someone you find out someone's got a date and everyone's got to chime in? Like, oh, dude, I got it. You got to do this. Yeah, dude. Dude, here's, here's what's... Okay, are you going on a date? Yeah, you got I'm going a date? on a date. Who are you going on a date with? Julie Taylor. Okay, where are you going? We're going to the movies. No, no, no. You don't want to do that, dude. No, the mo- girls don't like movies? Oh, no, dude. Girls hate movies. Oh, yeah. No, damn. Girls I'm hate all films. You're right, you're right. Girls don't like movies. Girls cool. hate all films. <laughs> Where should we go? 
Okay, here's the thing. You pick her up. Yeah. Do you have a motorcycle? No. Uh, I can like, get one, though. Okay, get a motorcycle. Okay. Do you have, like, a leather jacket? Mm, yes. Okay, put on the leather jacket. Do you have chaps? No. Assless chaps? I can get those, too. Girls love ass, dude. Girls yeah. love dudes' asses. Okay, what time should I pick her up? Oh, real late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like like midnight or 1 a.m. Cool. For dinner. Yeah. So show up, assless chaps, because girls like dude butts. Mm-hmm. You show up on your motorcycle, you know, wipe the sweat off the seat, you know, from your ass sweat, because you don't have any pants on. Wipe that off, obviously. You show up, you leather jacket's on, it's 1 a.m., she's ready, dude. That's why you want to wait till 1 a.m., you want her thinking about it, and you want her stewing, you know, getting ready and, like, yeah. getting all psyched up. Okay, okay. Then you bring out a bunch of cocaine. Okay. You give her a bunch of the cocaine. Yeah. Lace it with the crack, too. Okay. And then she, that, like, really gets her horny and ready to go. Okay. I'll, I didn't know that, so that's good that I do Yeah, that. and then okay. take her to a rave. Yeah. Also, another thing I was thinking... Anything where you guys are getting really sweaty mm-hmm. is well, perfect. On. Right. <laughs> so there's a nice breeze coming through. Thank, well, thank you for the advice. I feel like I'm sure, pretty, sure. Pretty hey, here, hey, hey, hey I'm here all night. So yeah, no problem. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a lot of hypotheticals tonight, but that is uh, kind of how how it goes <laughs> in terms of the quality advice you get from other dudes. Yeah, the, like the. Obviously, we went off the rails with the, the, the cocaine and the assless chaps, but just the, the first thing you said is like, I think you will take her to a movie, and you're like, no, dude, not a movie. In my head, I was like, fuck, you're right. Dude, not a movie? That's terrible. That's fucking terrible. You're just reaching, you're reaching for any, you're grasping for straws, and so Saracen's up in his head about like how to be cool. Like What he doesn't know is he's already cool. Like He's QB1, and he's sensitive, and that's what she likes. She doesn't care about the QB one. She just likes. She, she guess, likes him. She likes him. She likes his personality. He just needs to fucking go with that. Anyways, the date that they're on is so fucking cringeworthy because he's like trying to. What we, he, t- he tells the lady at the movie place that he's like, "Oh, you have free tickets for QB one. QB one. Yeah, he goes off brand, and exactly. so he goes off brand. Whether it's bad advice or whatever, he goes off brand. And what we realized is. Tip for the kids. Kids? Find your brand. Find your brand. Stay on brand, kids. It could be anything. Your brand could be like, you like Magic the Gathering and cats. Well, don't, no, that's not a good one, kids. That's not good. No. If that's your brand, kids, Magic the Gathering and cats, stay off brand. What's what's a decent brand? (laughs) Well, anything but that. But I, I know, <laughs> but yes, you're, yes. The, the point though is just be, be, stay your brand. Whatever your jam is, whatever your shit is, just own it and pick that lane and stay in that fucking lane. And so Saracen goes there, he's trying to do all this bullshit. And it's like, that's not what you're about, Saracen. You're not Jason Street when he had two good legs. That's not, <laughs> that's you're not, not two legged street right now, bro. Yeah, yes, you're not, that. you're not full legged street, dude. You're just like, you're Matt Saracen. You're all heart. You are also going to get another award for being the Captain Planet. 
Matt Saracen Heart Ring Award of the Week guy. Yeah, that's you. That's you. That's your brand. Own it. So that's why we're that that's why the stay on brand is key because there's this whole scene where like he goes on that date, it blows up in his face. Landry's watching his his grandma who has dementia and Land, shit goes wrong with his grandma Landry's calling him he's like dude your grand like she's 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 going crazy or whatever he goes home and then Saracen starts like calming his grandma down and like going into Matt Saracen caretaker mode just being Saracen being a good dude and Julie goes along for that ride and sees that and then she's like this is the guy I love. This is the real guy. The guy this is in the, the guy. In the members only jacket trying to bribe the free tickets and act like a big shot. That's not him. That's not him. That's not the guy. No. But the Matt Saracen who's all fucking heart and who's taking care of his grandma. Dad's not around. He's fucking taking care of his grandma trying to figure out the fucking quarterback thing and the guy who can't lie. He will never lie. Character guy. Character at his core. That's the guy that she liked. So when that came out of him and he was taking care of his grandma and everything, fucking Julie Taylor, rev her up and rev me up. Because I also like seeing Matt Saracen staying on brand. You like that brand. But I, no, I thought that was a cool Saracen moment. He found himself a little bit. Yeah. He got some confidence in his brand and now I think he's just going to go with it. So let's uh, let's zag a little bit here, though. Um, we're gonna come back to Jul- we're gonna end this with a Julie and Matt little little thing. But right now, I want to get back off of that because right after that date, they go back into the Lila, Tim, Jason Street love triangle kind of bullshit, and it is you know we were talking about how girls and guys handle uh, bullying and like cheat. Slut shaming, whatever you want to call it, they social handle pressure. social pressure. They handle it differently. And then at this game, Lila gets some shit from these girls, and she just like we were saying, she breaks. And when she breaks, she just goes under the bleachers and she starts crying. And then this is where we get my ongoing quest to turn you fully into a Buddy Garrity fan, mm-hmm. coming into full fucking swing. I was unfaithful, Daddy. Well, we all make mistakes and we we grow up. But you're my little girl. You're my daughter, and I want you to always remember that. You've never left a game before. It's only a game. You're my daughter. I love this because as you were talking about and you were asking the question, do we think Buddy Garrity would fucking leave the Dylan Pease game? I would not think he would. But he did. He does. This guy is all redeeming qualities. That's all he is. And I don't even know why you're so surprised. All right, so one of my things... I mean, I like that scene. It made me like Buddy Garrity a little bit more. But one of my pet peeves is that when somebody is a dick 99% of the time, and then for that 1%, they do something like halfway decent, and everybody's like, oh yeah, heart of gold. Whereas like if a Matt Saracen does all the right things his entire life, and then one night he goes out and he's trying to act like a big shot, 
And you, somebody would assume, like, oh, that's actually the real Matt Saris, and he's a dickhead. So in this moment, Buddy Garrity does, like, one sweet thing, and you're like, oh, dude, underneath all that, he's a good guy. He's a great dad. But is it either A, that, or is it B, he just, like, in one moment stepped up? See, I would go the other way and say if Matt Saracen has done a lifetime of good, if you ever saw Matt Saracen show weakness and have one bad moment... Like, if Saracen got pissed off at somebody he does and, and like, screamed, he'd be like, oh, he's just burying all that. He's just raging inside. No, I would say he's a good dude who's going through a bad time. But Well, that's what I'm saying. That's obviously the case. But I think people assume that if a good guy has one bad moment that the bad is really what's hiding under the good. Whereas when a bad guy has one good moment, the good is hiding that's, underneath the bad. I think that's human nature. People people want to find the good in everyone. Right. So I, I just don't... I see what you're saying. I don't fully yeah, support somebody having one good moment and then we assume like, oh, he's all hard underneath. He's just... You're going, he's to, the, you're going to the rule here, which is 90% of the time... You're a douche, so why are we going to take the 5% of the time? Yeah, like, we don't see the other 99% of the times where he's completely ignored Lila because he's re-listening to the radio broadcast of the, of the old state championship game. I think what you're doing is totally justified if you're doing that in, like, season three. If you're saying in season three, Buddy Garrity has still been evil for all of 90% of his time and he's only got 10% redeeming quality. That's fine. But in the first five episodes, I don't know if it's totally fair because they're trying to figure out still as a show who they want to lean into more and who they want to become big characters as we move forward and turn into onions that we need to peel back layers on and who we need to get the fuck out of. Right. So I think I, I do see what you're saying. It's totally correct. But I would say on Buddy Garrity and Tammy T, both of them, they're just starting to realize where that fucking chocolate is mm-hmm. at the center of that fucking Tootsie Pop. Tootsie Pops are all... I'm going to go with that. Do you see that what I'm saying? Metaphor, yeah. Like, they're realize So, on Buddy Garrity and someone like Tammy T, who started out as side characters, we have just licked our way, and we're just touching that chocolate. How many licks does it take? Well, in this case, it took five episodes worth of licks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, okay, so I know I that scene. Give was, him time. That, that, that's was, a, all I'm that was a great buddy scene. I get it. I'm still not convinced though. That's my point. Okay, last thing. We're at the game. We're gonna do the game, and then we'll get out of here. The game, defensive struggle. Yeah, real low scoring match. I mean, it was literally zero zero into the fourth quarter, and then there was a fucking safety um, by the linebacker who made like seven straight tackles. Yeah. We're not even going to get into that storyline, but we just want to say his name because he did have a really cool name. Stud. Junior Silverio. Silverio. Who cares? That's more Smash storylines that we don't even really have any interest in. But his name was Junior Silverio, and God, that was a cool name. Um, Anyways, score was 0-0. Defensive struggle the whole game. They get a safety. Junior Silverio gets a sack. Safety 2-0. Going into the final fucking play of the game as all the games do in Friday Night Lights. Going down to the wire. And um, I just want to... I know we've been shitting on Tim a lot this episode. He got the MCITW. 
but it just doesn't sit totally right with me. Ending Vicarious Living podcast with Tim taking an L. Yeah. Um, so I do want to give Tim a W. He had a little uptick at the end. He did. And so after he goes through two episodes of just garbage, being a horrible guy, biggest slut in Dylan, Tim Riggins, he does redeem himself because, like we were saying, the way dudes handle it is this whole fucking game he got shit on. No one blocked for him. It even led to him getting his shoulder dislocated. Coach T comes up to him on the final play. And he's like, look, Tim, I don't know what the fuck is going on with you, dude, but I need you. Get your fucking head out of your ass and get the fuck in there. I need you. I don't know how this would play in 2019, by the way, on the coach making a kid who got a dislocated shoulder yeah, go back in the man. game. <laughs> Anyways, I just want to play a clip of what it sounds like when Tim redeems himself so that we don't end the episode with Tim on an L. So Tim goes back into the fucking game. He gets out there. The O-linemen go, go like, like we were saying, how dudes handle it. They go like, oh shit. We just fucked him up and he's still coming back for more. You know what? That's respect. Respect. Hashtag respect. They give him a rock. He fucking goes out there, lays this block out. Here it is. He pitches it off to smash. Oh, and Silverio's got him in his side. Oh, oh, and he is laid out by Tim Riggins. And he has sprung. Smash Williams down the left side. Do you believe in miracles, folks? Because I just saw one. Touchdown, Dylan Packers. And that is the ball game. Dylan wins. Smash runs 98 yards for a game-winning running touchdown. The last second, game 99 over. yard game-winning touchdown. Another game winner at the buzzer. Uh, no, another fucking high school football game. Goddamn. The main thing, though, and that we, we want to end on is uh, after this game, after that game-winning TD, a little Matt Saris and Julie Taylor juice. Mm-hmm. Little kiss. Little kiss happened. Yep. And when I say little kiss, Saracen was so amped up on the win that Julie Taylor ran out to talk to her, talk to him, and he just laid a kiss on her real quick. It was like he a was, visceral. It yeah, was, he was just like no so thinking, excited about no the thinking. game that he just like, he's like, kissed her. And she was like, oh. I but she like, liked it. She liked it, but she was so surprised that she just ran away. Yeah, and but it, she, it was one of those runaways that was like, kind of like, Oh my god, I'm I'm embarrassed, but I loved that so much, and I just don't know what to do. And it's like, okay, see you later. Yeah, it was awesome. In in the moment, he's like, he didn't have a look on his face, like, oh shit, I fucked up and kissed her, and she ran away. It was more like, oh yeah. No, I liked it because it was like Matt Saracen's always so up in his head, and he never wants to like cross the line, or so he's always like, oh sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to do that, Julie. I didn't mean to like. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that or do that. He's always so up in his head about not offending yeah, he just anyone. Let go of his inhibitions. Yeah, it was like moment. He's like, I won the football game. There's the girl I like. I'm gonna kiss her. I want to kiss her. I, I just, I'm caught up. I, that, that's a girl I like, and I'm seeing those pillowy lips, and I'm just like, <laughs> fucking doing it. And then like right after, he was like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. But then it was also like, but that was so awesome. I can't. how awesome that was just outweighing the oh fuck in my head god I love that first kid that fucking Pete Berg dude just nailing it nailing it 
Because that is more realistic, I think. It, it the, I don't think all first kisses are all about, like, you say some sweet line. It's in slow motion. The fucking music's playing in the background. I don't think it's all like that. I think it is, like, sometimes where it's just like that, where it's like, fuck, man. Hey, I like this girl. Little kiss. Little kiss. Okay. MVP of the week for you? This one was tough for me. A lot of the times... That's because Tim Briggins was out of play. <laughs> well, I know. A lot of times they're pretty clear for me, and I kind of know the whole episode who it's going to be. I really was close to giving this one to, to Street. No. I didn't. I was Good. close. Mostly because the punching of Tim Riggins in the face and that whole thing, and him breaking up with Lila and being a badass about it, instead of just... He literally doesn't have anything. He doesn't even have legs. All he had was like a super hot girlfriend... <laughs> And now he doesn't, he doesn't even have, have that. Blood. He doesn't even have so legs. So I was close to giving him the MVP. Hold on, and, and, and real quick, I just want to say, I, I always do this, where whenever I see uh, Scott Porter, who plays Jason Street, like have a good acting scene or performance or whatever, I'm always shocked. <laughs> I don't know why, because I think it's just clear he is a really good actor. And I, I, don't, li- I don't like him, but it's it's... It's not because, like, a Ryan Atwood thing where I think he's a horrible actor and he's butchering that role. I think I just... There's other feelings I have about his injury and what it means, like, it it makes me sad or feel anxious or whatever. He just doesn't give you the good feelings. Yeah, but I think that might actually be kudos to him for playing that like it should be. It's not a feel-good thing. Like, he... Yeah, not not everything's fucking Riggins and Cotton Candy, bro. Sometimes real life happens. Anyways, that's a good line, by the way, Riggins and Cotton Candy. And I, I wish, fuck, I, I wanted to go back to anytime, anytime we give tips for the kids, we give your one good line that you had in the past that was, uh, we say like tip for the kids because we don't want to be shoveling uh, BS into the kids' backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we don't want to be doing. We don't want to be shoveling uh, BS into your backpacks, kids. We want your backpacks to be very unfull of BS. Anyways, my point of that, sorry to hijack your MVP, was just just say he is a good actor, and when he punched Riggins and all that emotional baggage and shit that he was going through, he played that so well. Scott Porter crushed it. Crushed it. Okay, sorry, your MVP. Actual MVP, and I know you're going to be happy about this one, is Billy Riggins. Yes! Yep. Yes! Do you know why? Uh, I feel like this was the episode where he's like, alright, Billy Riggins is a main character now. Oh, yeah. Billy Riggins got, like, he got a look. Like, Coach is like, alright. I'm gonna give you a shot. Here's the ball, dude. Let's see what you got. Get in the game, kid. he crushed it. The scene with him and Tim was just awesome. He nailed it. I love that. He, like, not only did it, like, you learned a a lot about Billy and it just layered him up as a character and you're like oh shit this guy's going through so much stuff like probably more shit than these high school kids it showed a different side to Riggins where like previously you thought he was just this mysterious badass and in that scene he just like seemed like kind of a little bitch like a whiny little brother dude you know what we should enti- uh, we should call this episode like fucking something about layers or onions because like <clears throat> I'm in full agreement on the Billy Riggins but it was like multiple people got shots these episodes. Like Pete Berg was like putting Riggins in the game, Billy Riggins in the game. He was putting Tammy T in the game, and he was putting Bill, uh, Buddy Garrity in the game. 
and I feel like all of them delivered. Let me give you let me give you a quick difference. Uh, Lila Garrity's mom. She had just as much run as Buddy Garrity was getting in those early episodes. And it's clear she just, when she was put in the game, she did not deliver. She didn't test for shit. And so she's fucking out, dude. Like, she literally has nothing to do with this series anymore. No. But Buddy Garrity and Billy Riggins and Tammy T were, were side characters put in the fucking game. And they just started making fucking shots. Mm-hmm. Season the moment. So damn, I'm so glad Billy Riggs got a fucking MVP. That's well deserved. His episode 8, kids, while we're continuing to not shovel that BS into your fucking backpacks, check out episode 8 for the Billy Riggins performance because it was a tour de force. Billy Riggins tour de force, episode 8. Good stuff by you. Let's end it there. Good stuff by you. Good stuff by this Vicarious Living podcast getting deep and breaking it down. So kids, take the BS out of your backpacks. You tuck on in. You sleep tight. You stay warm. Valentine's Day coming up, kids. If you have a lady situation or guy situation, don't blow it. Don't fucking blow it, kids. Pat? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not picture. Steven and Elsie. Both there. Just not picture.